I am Jack's complete lack of surprise. Hello and welcome to Grumpy Old Ben's episode number 236. Does it even matter what day it is? I don't think so. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America just outside of Chirac where the world may be burning down. But you know, social media, that's the problem. And from America's left coast where my body is not ready. I'm Ryan Bemrose. <laughs> well, you got to get it ready. I'm working on it. You got to get I... pumped into shape. I know I the one of the reasons why we didn't do this live yesterday and why this show uh well we got a lot to talk about is uh if for anybody who didn't know I um as I've been threatening for a couple months now um I found myself in desperate need of an income so that I could stay in my house and ended up going and doing something that I never wanted to do again and that is I got a day job uh however because the uh well the simple fact about the computing industry is that age discrimination is absolutely a real thing and i have some theories on why that is uh but the job that i ended up getting is not in it and uh it's uh much more physical than that and it's killing me um i am a delivery driver for a an online retailer ooh the big one or we don't want to say well, it's probably best that I don't say I don't remember having signed anything that says I can't disparage them. But given that I'm a very opinionated podcaster, I'm going to continue disparaging everyone who needs disparaging anyway. So I probably shouldn't say. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's but the, not, yeah, my buddy, uh, not my buddy, my brother-in-law, the wife's brother has worked for UPS for his whole life. And it is not a fun gig. Well, so I, I, I've only actually done the drive twice now. And so all of the people who listen to this, who've done this are just going to be nodding along. But um, remember that I've basically been retired for 10 years or, or working from home. Right. And even um, then, you know, the IT guys pumping a keyboard is not quite yeah. the same thing as. Uh, so, so my body has gone very flabby and soft over the years. And uh, I got dropped into the way that they do it is they put you in a van they have you pack or uh, load up, you know, maybe uh, 150 stops worth of packages um, and send you out and say, well, you've got this should take you about 10 hours go. And during that time, you are getting in the van, driving to the next spot, getting out of the van, picking up a package that could weigh up to 50 pounds. Most of them are the little envelopes, dropping them off at the front door, coming back to the van, getting in and out, getting in and out. And holy fuck, that didn't doesn't seem like when you talk about it all that much effort. But uh, after 10 hours of just constantly physically moving, my body is not ready. So we one of the reasons we did not do uh, today is Thursday. As we record this, we are not doing it live. But one of the reasons we didn't do it yesterday was I could not physically move. And, and I've only done two days of this. And so um, it'll either get better. It'll or, either get better. I'll either I will 
get used to it. My, you know, as my body gets accustomed or I'm going to break something very important because I am an old man. This is true. Well, at least you're not. I I was absolutely the oldest person on the loading dock. But also, you know, at least you're not in a place where winter gets horrible. I mean, imagine being in Chicago. No, it's going to be interesting during the couple of really ugly days. Like, uh, you know, am I going to be able to stay upright? That sort of thing. But no, for the most part, and and I've already been introduced to this uh, yesterday. I did a not yesterday, Tuesday. I did a great many deliveries in the rain. And so I was dripping, but that's fine. If you're moving around enough, you don't care about warmth. And you don't even need a shower when you get home. Oh, yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Like what's definitely the kind of job where you shower after the end of the shift. The cats are looking at you like, what the hell happened to you? Yeah. It's like rubbing up against, is this some kind of new musk? Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, I spent yesterday sitting in a hospital waiting room, so everybody had a good day. The uh, surgery went well for my mom. I know a lot of people, I mentioned it and were, I think all of the prayers and whatever the health karma, whatever you want to call it, has seemed to work well. That's a bonus. Yes. Now, the only problem she has is the same thing I have, which any kind of anesthesia that you're out for more than a half hour, hour, you know, there are some that they get you in and out. Those are okay. Anything that's any, like I said, about an hour or more surgery, when we come out of it, it is vomit, vomit, vomit. Yum. Yes. And they always tell, well, no, we'll try this. We'll try a different, you know, they try different (laughs) drugs. They try different things. They'll put on. You know, the anti-nausea patches and all that. It's like none of it works. And I don't know why. That's why they tell you never to eat or drink anything. Yes. 12 hours before surgery. So you got nothing to go. That is it. And well, and a lot of that is because they don't want you to choke on your own vomit coming up. So they don't even want well, liquid in of them. I know. Well, it's probably, it, it, it's a tick on their scorecard. So they're like, no, we, yeah. the other one died. That's they're like, not good. Yeah. It, it, I think. I imagine that at least the ones who still care about the health of the patients probably don't want the patient to die. I mean, there's some of them there that are like, eh, whatever hospital protocol, another one died, go get the COVID release forms. But yes, which was the oddity normally not that long ago. Anytime my mom was having something done, cause she's had a bunch, she's had the colon cancer surgery. She had the bypass, all that. You had to go get a COVID test a couple of days beforehand where she just had a blood test now a couple of days beforehand. And while in the hospital, right before they wheeled her into surgery, they did a nose swab for COVID. I'm like, what's the point of that? Like you're already there. Yeah. Already there, ready for surgery. And they won't even have the results. I'm guessing. Well, maybe they do them instantaneously. It would be. So at this point, it's not for prevention it's just for statistics. Yes. That would be my guess. It probably the results. Don't even the doctors don't even care about it. The results just go straight to the billing department. Yes. And the nurse, when checking her into her room, because they did keep her overnight, which was good, especially with the vomiting, asked, have you been um, diagnosed with COVID over the last two weeks or whatever it was? And well, of course, no. But then again, everybody, I think that is having COVID now has the sniffles. Because that's the latest thing that you're seeing, if you still be, be, believe it's uh, the same virus. How, how about because it's fall and uh-huh. the cold always comes? As the temperature drops, people start getting colds. Well, it's this amazing. Is, that this we has have, always happened. Yes. And we have the concurrent stories now 
which is why you better go get your latest COVID booster along with, well, the latest symptoms of COVID are sniffles and you're a little tired. They're like allergies, but you know, really it's very important to go get a booster with like, wait, they're down to allergies. And I think I had it again. I mean, it could have been something else. It could have just been a cold. I doubt it. But I was just, you know, tired and I had the sniffles. Because clinically speaking, there is literally no way to tell. And I am, I am discounting those inaccurate as shit tests that they run, which are entirely placebo. It's like they might as well be giving you a pregnancy test for as accurate as they are. (laughs) Wait, I'm pregnant. Oh, no. No, they just scratch out the word pregnancy on it and put COVID on there. And now they're handing it to everybody. But for as discounting those which are inaccurate as shit and don't really distinguish between, say, uh, any types of different coronaviruses, uh, it's a cold. There is no clinical way to tell. You can't tell from the symptoms. They're cold symptoms or allergy symptoms. You can't tell from the the, the duration. From it, It's a cold. Right. And, and yeah, it sucks to get sick. I don't enjoy having a cold. I don't like sore throat and I don't like, you know, sniffles, but it's, I, I don't go out and say, oh my God, COVID, because that word provokes a, a, an irrational, emotional response that you've never got from saying, yeah, I've got a cold. Right. I should probably stay home. Right. Well, no, if you had, if you walked into the room with a bunch of people and said, hey, I got a cold. Sorry, everybody. They'd be like, oh, OK, cool. Yeah. Now and then they, might, they just like <laughs> if you say you got COVID. Yeah. They're running. Yeah. They all sprint out of the room, which might actually be a good idea if you want, say, the restaurant to yourself. Exactly. Now, I will say that spending from like 9 a.m. until 3.30 or so in a large hospital waiting room only a handful of people. I understand the people that worked there. There were a few of them that were masked, but as far as the normal citizenry that just were waiting in there for whatever, just a handful had the masks on, which is a good sign. People are realizing that one, the masks don't work. And if you do get COVID, you're going to be like, wow, it's a bad allergy day. And that's why I think my mom had it like a week and a half ago. Cause she's like, wow, it's, it's a really bad allergy day. And I'm punching in here. I'm like the pollen.com. And I'm like, nope, no, it is not. No, <laughs> no, but it, you know, it, it being the first month of fall and everybody's been used to one temperature and now yeah. your bodies are getting used to another lower temperature with it. Yes. I get that. People are getting colds. That, I hate that the sort current of thing goes around. I do. I hate it. It's like 60 degrees out today, which means the windows are wide open. But the office where I am right now gets too warm because, you know, I've got two computers, four monitors, a Drobo device with five very hot drives in it. And it's yeah. like, well, it's too warm out to run the air conditioning. I mean, it's too cold out to run the air conditioning, but it's still too warm inside. It's it's horrible. I'd like it. Make it either really this hot. This is or why really we all have fans. Yeah, I know. But they make noise and I don't want noise and. Do we have fans? That's why you wear headphones. Maybe this, I guess that I I have to solve everything for you. Yes. Yes, you do. Would you come out here and hook up the uh, air conditioning? Like, no, no, I will not. I don't even, I don't even use air conditioning here. You poor guy, but you don't need it most. Okay. So the, the weather around here, and I I don't know if this is common. I think it's lots of places, but fall is kind of marked by it gets, it's starting to get really cold at night. Like last night, it actually dropped into the low forties overnight and will be going lower soon. Although the, 
the climate where I live, most winter days are it drops into the low 40s. So this is overnight. It's winter. But then during the day, it's still getting upper 60s, mid 70s sometimes, especially if the sun comes out. So you now, open the imagine, windows at night, then you just close and lock all that coolness in. Yeah, that's that's what you do is, is you control when you have the windows open in order to determine your temperature. And if, we haven't had to start the wood stove yet, but it'll happen. But I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, one thing that I did not come prepared for is uh, having to dress for every season all at once and having lots of layers in the van. Well, right, because it's going to be cool in the morning and by the afternoon you're going to be warm. Yeah. And I'm most like, of these places kind of frown upon you going time, time nude. Do deliveries naked. Right. Oh. <laughs> like this is where the ring doorbell people are like, no. Yeah. Uh, some, some people don't. And then they complain. And then I get to hear about it from my boss. And then I'm like, oh, well, looking for a new job again. So let's not do that. But again, again. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Now that means the show moving forward may be at different times. We've spoken of hiatus, which is also possible. But well, we are. And unofficially, we kind of doing hiatus because we've missed a lot of shows. We actually missed two weeks in a row before this. Yes. So the the question I was going to bring to you is, is until, uh, you know, my shit stabilizes and you take care of what you got to do. Do we want to just kind of say, hey, Grumpy Old Benz is no longer on a schedule. We'll do them when we can get there, because that is it, it, it'll be. Instead of everybody expects a grumpy old Benz and we get people like, uh, you know, Servo and Baron Spud the Mighty in the troll room yesterday at the time going, hey, where's my GOB? Um, instead, it'll be a little bonus if we get an episode done. I, I don't right. know that where we guess the episodes will probably get done, but they're not going to get done on a regular schedule. Yeah, I, until such time as I get used to what I'm doing, there's no way that I'm going to be able to hold a set schedule. I just can't commit to that right now. And we're, I mean, most people hear hiatus and like, you're not going to do any shows and that's not the plan. It's just, well, we're going to do shows. The only question is whether or not we get together and record them. Right. Or whether or not you can listen to them live, which is where the yeah. lit thing comes in, which I would normally do today. I didn't cause I'm not going up against no agenda. Cause that's just craziness. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> the way the stream is set up, it wouldn't be going out live anyway, because Adam's connection supersedes all others. Well, right. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't bump the pod father off the stream. There are alternate streams that we could go out on, but even then I'm not going to be are like, are you suggesting we take over the hog story stream? Well, we could do that or the rare encounter. Right. But I'm like, well, nobody wants to be like, we're comp wait, they're on at the same time as no agenda. What are they? They don't want any audience at all. Well, that's true. So really, it's, it makes no difference of not streaming or streaming on an alternate channel during no agenda. But we can uh, work on scheduling. So maybe we're not going up against the hardest hitting podcast in the universe. Well, I, I, it, it, I would love to get back to a live schedule because that's certainly where all the live boosts come in, for example. And that's fun. That is, it is fun. It's it fun reacting to them all the damn time. But uh, I guess. So my, my question I was going to pose to you is, do we want to at least temporarily say, uh, you know, GOB is no longer going to be a regular weekly live thing and we will get episodes out when we can. That would make sense because I do, as I mentioned to you before we started recording, have doctor appointments, not next Wednesday, but the one after that. And then the one after that. So there's two weeks in a row. And it's just because 
due to the wife's schedule now, and she's my driver because I don't yep. have the eyes to drive, that her easiest day to get off is that middle of the week rather than any of the other days. So, you know, sometimes the shit just falls and it's okay. We can pivot. We can. We can pivot into a show with no listeners. Right. And I think this is where I mean, we we've already want- pivoted into a show with no donors. Yes. Well, there are, there are a couple today, but that's just because we haven't had a show in like a month. So there's a few that trickle in, which is beautiful. And we appreciate everybody that supports the show. But I would recommend if you have a podcasting 2.0 app, make sure that you are subscribed to us there. That way, if we are going live, your device should tell you like, wow, hey, guess what? These guys are doing a show. And also watch things like No Agenda Social, though that's harder to to catch something if we're at the last minute saying we're going live in 10 minutes. That's a little harder. So I would suggest getting a podcasting 2.0 app if you can. And then when we can, if we have something scheduled enough in advance, we'll let you know when it's going to be. Just don't expect it Wednesdays at 1 p.m. on the regular for the next bit. Maybe through the end of the year, we'll see. Maybe. But either Sorry, way, I was just I, I was just checking boosts while you were talking and uh, um, there weren't a lot. Yeah. Do you know how many we've got since uh, the 20th when we did our last show? The 20 our last show was three weeks ago yesterday. So 22 I, days ago. I know the 20th of September were the usual suspects in uh, Harry Pilgrim and Sir Sean of the Allegheny Valley who were streaming sats. But for boostograms, yes. there were not a lot. Uh, for boostograms, since the twentieth, we got three. Oh wow, three three whole boostograms, and they came in on the twenty first, the twenty third, and the twenty third. See, we got to get people used to boostogramming when the show isn't live. Yeah, that seems to be the difficult part. I don't know this whole podcasting two point thing. It seems to be very successful for other shows, so we I need to figure out their model. Do we? better show have other people yeah that might be it or no actually i was thinking uh you know do the the uh bowling pins or the goat scream whenever somebody you know to interrupt the show every time it happens right when it happens live now of course when the shows aren't live you don't have that we could just pretend like oh wow right there yeah we we could actually just play drops randomly see if that helps be like oh wow sir truck driver just came in with thirty three thousand three thirty three, and he says fuck you guys wow that was cool buddy that's not actually what he said, but yes, something like that. <laughs> you never know. But that's where we are moving forward. And uh, so hopefully everybody will so, be okay with yeah, that. I, I think we can say that uh, for, for now, uh, for at least, you know, now for the next month or two, what we're not going to do is commit to a live GOB at the specified time slot. And I know that's... I. I wish we could, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be working well for either one of us. So at this point, GOB is a, it's going to happen when we can get to it. And we hopefully won't go three more weeks without one. Right. Because there's plenty to talk about in the world, including how, according to Politico, and I've seen this story elsewhere. But I, the, I hate this story already. I know because it's Politico. The headline is Hamas hate videos make Elon Musk Europe's digital enemy number one with the subheading, which was my favorite. Officials are gathering evidence against X. An inquiry, I know, an inquiry, get this, into how graphic terrorist videos spread is all but certain. 
wait, wait, let me, let me save you a lot of fucking time. It's the internet. It's social media. That's how they're fucking spreading you morons. Yeah. It's called viral for a reason. I mean, this, uh, this is okay. Like, so I actually brought, I, I actually did bring some stories that make it legitimate to hate on Elon, but it has nothing <laughs> to do with, with Hamas or Twitter. And I refuse to fucking call it X. I'm sorry. I still, I, I still call the parent company of Instagram as WhatsApp. I still call them Facebook because these renames are stupid and they X. happen every week. Yeah. But anyway, but I'm uh, really an inquiry into how videos spread online. You're going to spend probably millions of dollars to let's look into how this works. It's like, what are you an idiot? Well, millions of dollars to virtue signal is nothing true. This could be billions. It could be trillions. We don't know. Well, I, it, I think it is, but that's a different thing. Well, what we're getting down to I'm sorry, is we're supposed to group. take our, we're supposed to take our Ukraine decorations now and put up Israel. Now, is that the way it's supposed to go? Anyway. Probably they're moving, you know, you just kind of rotate them around. Yeah. Yeah. But this concept and pretty is, soon it'll be BLM season again. Oh okay. well, yes. Well, and BLM, you know, I understand that BLM is a fractured entity, which means they have satellites, uh, you know, in Chicago and other large cities where this isn't just one big organization, but the Chicago BLM, they came out with a meme in support of Palestine. And <laughs> yeah. So you see where all of your money went to. If you were like, Oh wow, we're a, we're white people. And we want to show that we care about the black people. You're supporting terrorism. Now, congratulations. Be careful <sighs> about the groups that you support and what they really stand for. And the funny thing was, as we talked about very early on here, BLM was not hiding the fact that they were a Marxist slash socialist organization. So you get never you were for. they, they, in fact, they were quite actually quite public about it. Yeah. Their owners or their operators, whatever. Yeah. They were not hiding I, it. I want to get this out of the way, just out front so that people know where I stand because apparently I'm cagey. Sometimes my position on the current Israel versus Palestine thing where a lot of people are getting killed on both sides. There's a great deal of propaganda. I'm sure some of it is true. I'm also sure that uh, far less is true than, than most people think. Um, you know, there's a hell of a lot of propaganda going on. Uh, everything that we see is through the lens of a corrupt and lying media. So you really can't believe it, but I'm going to, because because apparently in this new age where silence is violence, if you right. don't take a side, then you're on the side of evil or something like that. So I'm just going to come out and say this. My side on the Israel versus Palestine thing is exactly the same type of stance as my side was on the Ukraine versus Russia. And that is I stand with the people of these countries who are the victims of a bunch of governments who are having a giant pissing contest. And the only people dying are the innocent victims who have nothing to do with making the decision to throw bombs around. And instead, all they're trying to do is live their damn lives while the governments are coming out here and screwing over everybody and bombing. You know, if just once I'd love to see one of these crazy shooting wars where they, the only bombs fall on the, the political assembly on the governor's mansion on, on the nuke, no, not new bomb. The people 
who are actually making the decisions that screw it. And maybe you have a just war. But right now, all of this conflict and pissing match is between a bunch of rich assholes in one government and a bunch of rich assholes in the other government. And they're making a huge mess. And the victims are the people that I stand with, which are the people of the country who would really just like to live their lives. And instead of instead of just being taxed up the butthole so that you can go buy bombs. Oh, wait, no, the people of Israel probably aren't being taxed as much for bombs because I'm being taxed for those bombs. But anyway, now they're getting the bombs dropped on them. And I don't take sides. I don't think Hamas is right. I don't think Israel is right. I don't think Ukraine government is right. I don't think Russia government is right. I think all governments are in this day and age, all governments are a net negative on the citizens that they are screwing over because every single one of them is tyrannical and authoritarian and just likes to drop bombs on people. And I'm not a big fan of having bombs dropped on innocent people. I know fucking radical. Yeah. In the United States, I think they may be paying for the bombs on both sides, which just makes a whole they lot, are. a whole lot of sense. You know, might be getting filtered through Iran. And there's a lot of talk about that $6 billion, which it seems is still sitting in an account, but that doesn't necessarily mean we know a lot of people live paycheck to paycheck. And they're like, well, I know I'm getting that $6 billion. Well, I can spend a lot of yeah. money because that's coming in. So, and, and every single year, that paycheck, the number is the same. It might say, oh, you're making, you know, $30 an hour or, you know, $30,000 a year, whatever your number is. That number doesn't seem to be going up, but funny, everything is getting more expensive. Why is that? Do you suppose? Have you noticed the grocery store bills are going up and up? It's hard not up? to. Yes. And nobody, you know, all of a sudden in the Biden administration, this is great. Having a war. All of that news is off the front page for a while. Yeah. So, yeah. Fun. Suddenly all of the suffering of Americans at home because the entire country is it, Nobody seems to care anymore because, oh my gosh, pictures of something, or actually yes. they're not even showing us pictures. They're just telling us that there are pictures of severed bodies and, and shit and saying, uh, oh, you know, these, these pictures are too graphic for us to show you and we right. can't show you the pictures, but trust us, they exist. Well, boy, I can do that. AI can do that. Why right. do I need the news media to tell me that pictures exist and then not show them to me? Or they're on Twitter, they're on wherever, and then it's that's all blocked. And then yeah, it's sometimes well, they're on. We don't yeah, have sometimes they're on social media, the free freedom of speech. And this is an ongoing bullshit. All the freedom of speech when it comes to social media is about is for the freedom of speech to say what you want people to say, not the other, because yes, it's yes. rare that somebody stands up and says, I want freedom of speech so much that I want to make sure that my enemies can say whatever they want. That's never the case. Freedom of speech today from the perspective of the, the big platforms is you are free to say whatever we can approve you or whatever we approve you to say. Right. You, Which is why Elon's in so much trouble because there's videos spreading on his platform and they're going to spend millions to figure out how they, how they spread. I'm like, wait, this is like uh, this wondering why people are leaving Venezuela. Like we're going to spend millions of dollars to get to the bottom of why people are coming from Venezuela because it sucks there. Well, it, it, let's just be clear that it, there's a government agency. They're going to spend millions of dollars, whether or not they're actually doing anything and they'll just whether put or that not money they come to any pocket. conclusion. They're just going to like, 
they start with, we're going to spend millions of dollars. And then they look around and go, is there anything to spend it on? Right. No. Well, we're going to spend it anyway. We got that money. But you sounded the, very much like Donald Trump when asked, what What are you saying? You saying you want Russia to win the war? I want people to stop dying, which was the best yeah. answer ever. I, 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 I don't like being necessarily compared to Donald Trump, but every once in a while he says something that's the right thing. And it turns out he does it a lot more often than regular most politicians. Yes. Where you're like, Hey, I don't want people to keep dying. That is the bottom line. There is no winner in any war. It is the old war games thing. The only winning well, the, move the is winner, not to play. The winner in the war, the winners in the war are the political elite who are the ones controlling the war for their own purposes, because, of course, they never get bombed at their homes in Nantucket or Martha's Vineyard or somewhere. Uh, and the other ones who always win the war are the contractors who are given, you know, $10 million per rocket that the that is going to get fired into an empty field. You know. Raytheon and, and the Boeing and all of the military contractors, they are absolutely making out like bandits. The other people who are making out like bandits, of course, are wherever the hell the trillions of dollars being sent to Ukraine, right. sent to Ukraine are right. actually going because they're not making it to Ukraine. Now, I mean, a lot of it is, but this political article, but let's just look at this. This is what comes out as news. Elon Musk has made himself Europe's digital public enemy number one. I'm like, wait, there's a digital public enemy number oh one? Oh, my I gosh. I don't quite understand that. But it says, since Hamas attacked Israel on Saturday, the billionaire social network has been flooded with gruesome images, politically motivated lies, and terrorist propaganda that authorities say appear to violate both its own policies and the EU's new social media law. And somehow he is now personally responsible for everything that any random Twitter user posts. That is the point I wanted to get to, which is everybody listening to this show. I mean, maybe not everybody in the world, but everybody listening to this show understands how social media works. You understand the amount of things that are being uploaded. You realize what kind of a gargantuan task it would be to moderate every post to any social media site. Yeah, when, didn't Facebook try it for a while when they had a lot fewer users and they ended up burning out entire call centers worth of people that they were like, you need to watch every video that's flagged. Right. And those people, because did that's not, great on the psyche. They needed a lot of therapy. Yeah. The people that did that, but this is not a question of how it is happening. I mean, this is just so disingenuous and I don't believe the, idiot here at Politico, Mark Scott, the guy that wrote this, only one person, I'll give him that, give him credit, because a lot of these articles have like five people that are listed on the byline. But don't tell me this guy doesn't understand how things go viral, how videos get passed around the internet. You know, well, I'm exactly. sure he also understands that, that if you can somehow tie a bad thing to a person and you know that that per you know in your heart emotionally that that person is somehow evil because your woke social media says that they're evil. However, that those then it's totally justified to make the connection. Right, and where this gets very disingenuous, I mean, I'm just scanning to make sure I didn't miss anything. But the only social media site that I can see mentioned is Twitter slash X. Now, are you telling me that? This isn't happening. 
on Facebook, that this isn't happening on Truth Social, that this isn't happening on uh, what's well, police well, it guy. Is. But what I'm saying is that you don't publicize it because they are not currently on a crusade against the owners of those other sites. Zuckerberg is still a, a good little wokist who is is paying his tithes to the Marxist. He, he is he is operating exactly within the parameters of the cult. And make no mistake, the left right now is a cult. You, t- you can tell that immediately because, well, there are lots of reasons, but in the case of Elon, Elon is absolutely the worst type of human being ever in the eyes of a cult. He is somebody who drank the Kool-Aid, who did all the daily prayers, who went through the motions and then stopped and turned away and he turned his back on the cult. And that is why... He is the most evil human being to the cult ever. And they have to come up with anything they possibly can to destroy him, including looking at, oh, here's a social media we can tie to him. Let's find anything anywhere on the site and attribute it directly to him. Because now, social media him. is the danger. You know, if there was no social media, this attack would not have happened in Israel. That's obvious. Uh, no, no, absolutely. Everybody <laughs> would be getting along great uh-huh. if there was no... Yeah. If there was no social media, I'm just looking at the way this article ends because that's on uh, Politico and other sites. This is where you kind of want to go for them burying the lead or whatever it is. And it says that content included verified X accounts with ties to Russia and Iran reposting graphic footage of alleged atrocities targeting Israeli soldiers. So you notice it's always alleged when it's on the side they of course well it's always alleged when they're not sure whether or not they can be sued for libel for these made-up lies yes like some of these posts have been viewed hundreds of thousands of times who cares so other accounts linked to hezbollah do do they realize that 90 percent of those are bots yes uh other (laughs) accounts linked to hezbollah and isis have similarly posted widely with a few if any removals it is unclear whether such footage will lead to a specific investigation into x's handling of the most recent violent content but it has reaffirmed the likelihood mark will musk will soon face legal consequences for not removing such material from his social network so this is a a cultist attack piece that is what it is this is this is we don't like it not never going to mention that reason, but we don't like that. He turned away from the cult. We are going to attack him and hurt, hurt him in any way we possibly can and cancel culture. Although a lot of people are finally getting wise to the idiocies of cancel culture, but that is still the primary method of hurting somebody for the crime of turning their back on the cult. I, have a, I, I actually know multiple people. Uh, at least two confirmed, but I, I think th- there's a third that I, anyway, I'm not going to name names, so it doesn't matter. I know multiple people who absolutely five years ago, 10 years ago, thought Elon Musk was the absolute greatest thing in the world. He is Tony Stark in the flesh, you know, the, the, uh, the Iron Man, whatever, whatever it is, the superhero dude right. who was a genius. Uh, Tony Stark, I think is his yes. name, uh, is only a fictional character, but really Elon Musk is that person because he's the one who's saving the world and making things happen and pushing it. And like he was the greatest human being on the planet. He was a Superman who could do no wrong. And they all went out and bought Teslas. I know several people who drive Teslas. 
And a direct quote from one of them that I'd spoke to only a couple of weeks ago was, uh, he said, uh, when I commented on the car, he said, yeah, you know, the car, the car's all right. But if I knew what I know now about Elon, I never would have bought the Tesla. Because that makes sense. Because, because the car is better or worse because of what you think about the person who owns the company. Because you think you know what's going on. Now, if you've listened to my podcasts, I've given you lots and lots and lots of objective reasons whether or not you should consider buying a Tesla. I kind of come down on the side of you shouldn't, but but every reason that I give has absolutely nothing to do with the personality at the top of the company and everything to do with the product that you're proposing to buy. There are a lot of concerns about Tesla vehicles. Great. Take that into consideration. That should enter your buying decision. But what what kind of behavior is it to say, oh, I don't think I want to buy the car because the guy at the top isn't censoring the things that I want on a different thing that right. he owns. Well, that's even worse. I bought the car, yeah. but then the guy that owns that company bought another company and I'm mad at what he does there. So now I don't really like the car. So now I hate the car. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, what kind of behavior is that? I'll answer. It is cult behavior. Yeah. You are in a cult. It's insanity. The uh, speaking of a cult, the Politico uh, writers, I'm sure, are all in a cult. The final paragraph talks about exactly what we just talked about. Quote, combating violent and terrorist content requires and then quoting in within the quote, people sitting at a computer screen and looking at this and making judgments End quote, said Graham Brookie, senior director of the Atlantic Council's digital forensic research lab, which has tracked the online footprint of Hamas ongoing attacks. Quote, it used to be that there were dozens of people that did that at Twitter. Now there's only a handful, end quote, end quote, double end quote. There's a lot of end quotes. Yeah. But the, the, the quoting gets complicated. Do you it's think like that braces in that? Right. Well, and they really think there's enough people in the world to be able to moderate Twitter, which. Well, I think this guy is about six years behind the times because maybe. in 2017. Yes, you had to put human beings in there, having them look at it. But nowadays, you don't have to use human beings. You it's another job that's gone to AI. But which, then you by could the also way, fool the AI. I, I, I loved, uh, Adam brought this to No Agenda a while ago, and I was fascinated by the idea enough to actually look into it. And it's, he, he's not far off. Uh, the idea of uh, model decay is, uh, we, uh, when you have an AI that consumes the output of other AIs, which not a huge deal right. right now, right? But in theory, the more AI generated crap goes out into the world, other models are going to start consuming that. And what you're end up going to have is, you know, super simplified. You're going to have a copy of a copy of a copy thing. Right. And every error, every, you know, nine fingered model that an AI puts out is going to become part of the model, the inputs to another iteration of these uh, large language models. Right. And all of the mistakes being made early are going to start being codified into the inputs of later versions. And I don't know how correctable this is. It's, it's, you know, given that the, the corpus of all human generated content is still far, far larger than AI generated content. 
but the AI generated content is getting bigger and yes, very I, quickly. And when you're and using, I don't that, know how, how, you know, at this point, I don't think that the models are suffering from this yet. I think right now, all of the foibles and crap in the models is mostly human generated garbage, but that is going to be interesting about four generations of LLM down the road. When, when these things have sucked in their own garbage out, right? <laughs> Well, yeah, because that's the way these things are trained and the concept that an AI can decipher that an AI wrote something that's already been dispelled. That concept has been dispelled. No. Text is text. There's no way to know with 100% certainty, which means plenty of it's going to be either a false positive, which has its own issues. But the only method I know that's 100% certain is that Adam Curry apparently can detect AI generated images <laughs> in the art generator with 100% certainty. There's no way they're getting so much better <laughs> so very quickly. I mean, sure, if you leave in seven fingers, that's a sure, sure sign that it's an AI. Yeah. Seven fingers is a particularly obvious type of, of model artifact, but there are a lot of other model artifacts and every single one of them. You know, you get enough pressure on the model to say, this is bad. Don't do this. And it stops doing that. And it comes up with something else that's more subtle, harder to get. It, right. Everything's always evolving. The The current thing, you know, maybe, maybe it'll be a belly button two inches to the left, the right. next model iteration or something. It'll be like, this does not look right. Yeah. And it's, it's things that put the image in the uncanny valley for humans who've had years and years and years to pattern match. And also no matter how awesome the giant banks of computers are at this moment in history, humans are still better at pattern matching than at least visual pattern matching than computers. Right. But computers a lot of are, times humans will be able to go. That doesn't look, even if they can't tell you exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. People aren't good at analysis, but they're good at recognizing every person. And this is exactly what, what you get when, when Adam says he can spot it every time. You are really good at looking at that and going, something's not right. And even if you can't articulate what's not right, you, you, you pattern matched and went, yeah, that doesn't, you know, doesn't jive with everything. That's why the latest game for all of the artists doing artwork for the No Agenda podcast are trying to sneak that AI artwork in. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we <laughs> can know. We'll, on his toes. Right. We'll show you. We'll show you. But the concept that human moderation can actually work. These are the latest stats I could find. I don't know if Twitter has moved into a more popular or less popular in a year, but this goes back to August of last year that every second on average, there were 6,000 tweets every second or 350,000 per minute, 500 million a day. How many people do you need in order to be able to monitor 6,000 tweets a second. I'm going to go with all of them. Yeah. All of the people in the world, then maybe in, you'd in be fact, able to do it. The argument you just made is the reason why no matter what the situation is, centralization does not scale to the size of humanity. It never has. It never will. And it gets so much more complicated when you're talking about images and videos to be able to moderate that. Do you remember, uh, they, they obviously don't do this now, but do you remember when Twitter had the fire hose? They, they actually had a feed you could 
connect to where everything that was constantly through. updating and it was every tweet. Yes. Which is kind of like what people get on the Mastodon now when you're like the everything feed. Oh God. I, I don't go to the federated page precisely yes. because I like, I cannot read that fast. It's bad. It updates about every five seconds and there's 15 new posts every time. Too much garbage. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, every once in a while there's anime porn and that's worth it, but well, I just go to rare encounter for that. Yeah. You can go to the rare encounter show notes. You get all you need there, but the, I, I don't know. It, my, my point on centralization and is, and I, I only do this because it's an opportunity for me to rant against the absolute unworkability of the people who think, oh, we can just do all of this at one central location. Whether, whether that centralization is, uh, we can have one group of people look at every tweet. No, you can't. Uh, we can have uh, one place where we, uh, <laughs> Uh, socialism or any kind of centrally controlled economic system doomed to failure because it is impossible for any subset of humanity to even understand the entire economy. It actually, the only way, and I, I don't even think understand is the right word. The only way to manage the entire economy is to put everyone in on it. And by the way, there's a system that does that. It's called capitalism. When you say, oh, I want communism or I want socialism, you are imagining some kind of super brain that is capable of comprehending and controlling and directing the, I don't think trillions is a big enough word, you know, quadrillion, like put enough zeros after a number, the number of transactions of interactions in an economy, every single moment of every day is impossible. For any centralized, like there's not even a, there, there's not even a fat pipe on the internet that could pipe all of those in. There's not enough bandwidth. The only way to handle that is that each one is handled at the point that the transaction happens between the people who are involved in the transaction. They do the transaction, they go their way and it never has to go out to a centralized place. And that happens trillions of times per hour, minute, whatever, everywhere, all the time. This system exists. It's called capitalism. But the problem is if you have a particular type of mental defect where the very existence of a thing you don't like causes you to become emotionally harmed, right? Then, then you cannot abide the idea that right now at this very moment, there is Somebody streaming porn on OnlyFans. There is somebody buying drugs in an alley behind a supermarket. There is uh, somebody, you know, killing babies in an Israeli home right now, allegedly. At this very moment, there are all these things happening. And if if you are so over-socialized that you become emotionally harmed by the very existence of that, then the only way you can feel normal is to try to impose centralized control on everything. And that's when you become a, a statist or a communist or whatever. And then you start pushing for a, a system that might in theory, make you feel better, but ultimately makes everything worse because it doesn't work. It will collapse. Right. And, build. and I think that's where we're at. The fact that it seems the younger generation, at least takes the emotional route 
and it has the same it has the same effect on them whether or not they actually have pornographic images that got out or if somebody created them out of thin air either way their reaction is exactly the same according to studies and psychologists and people who are smarter than me or maybe they're dumber than me but that is what is being sold right now is that there is no difference to the psyche of the people that it's happening to whether or not they had nudies on their phone that leaked out or if somebody just took their face from any other photo and made a fake nudie they're all the same that's the exact same reaction which is weird well, to me I, I think I, I understand it because you're describing my reaction when when I look at actual pictures of actual naked women versus pictures of AI generated naked women. You're like, they're all the same. And I have exactly the same physical reaction. It's like, even though your brain, it's like <laughs> this person does not exist. You're like, doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, I could, but if I, could she download did, this. I would totally do her. I, I, I may or may not have already done this, but I can download images from an AI porn site and look at it. And I might know in my head because of where I downloaded, I'm like, this person does not exist, but that doesn't matter to my emotional or anatomical reaction. It's the same. Cause it's like, you know what? If she was a real girl, you weren't getting her anyway. So what's yeah. the, what's the harm? Yeah. It's not a, in both cases, whether it be a picture of a porn star somewhere in California who actually exists and had a picture taken or an AI generated thing. In both cases, it is not going to be somebody that I will ever personally interact with. And actually, if I do, that would be weird. That that's where it becomes awkward. But as long as it's just pictures, it well, this is also where matter. it gets weird is because everybody knows now when it comes to sites on the social media, whether it's the Twitter or whatever, you don't know if they're real people anymore because the bots now can have photos of themselves living their lives that look like human beings in various ways. Are we places. talking about celebrities? Because I have not had also, any evidence yes. that they're real people for a long time. True. You have to run into them and make sure because otherwise and there's a few celebrities that I'd like to just run into and then back up and do it again, <laughs> especially but. with a big truck that, I mean, that's even better. <laughs> and I mean, to be fair, Politico, yeah, the company frowns on that. I said that they didn't mention anybody else. They do in the article, they say under the EU's legislation, tech giants like X, TikTok, and Facebook must carry out lengthy risk assessments to figure out how hate speech and other illegal content can spread on their platforms. Like, wait a minute Ugh. again, what do you have to investigate? The messages get posted. That is spreading through the platforms. It's because that investigation that you just did, although thorough, is not lengthy enough, apparently. Yes. These firms must it, also the, allow greater access to external auditors, regulators, and civil society groups that will track oh how God. they are complying with this new oversight. I, oh, jeez. Yeah, we must I, comply. I thought your use of the word lengthy was was a little weird on that one. Isn't it? Like a thorough investigation makes sense, but a lengthy one, uh -huh. if the investigation doesn't take very much time, you you just have to keep investigating. Yes, it has to be lengthy. That's the only way to get yeah. what we want. You have to make sure you waste at least enough money on this to make it so that it's not financially viable for you to do anything other than state censorship. Well, the EU legislators obviously have ownership in companies that are going to go in and carry out these risk assessments. So of that course. is why they must be lengthy and very expensive. I would bet as well. Of course, it is important that it be expensive, both 
both for nepotism reasons and also to punish anybody who thinks that they can follow the regulation and still try to allow free speech. This is like putting Kamala Harris in charge of any investigation. This concept of what well, we're going to we're going to go look into how things spread on the Internet. Like, no, no. Mean? When she looks for something lengthy, she's thinking of something entirely different. Oh, yeah. Will, Willie Brown. But the question here is, how do you not know how things spread on the Internet, how they go viral, how they get into the hands of anybody that wants to read them? Yeah, it's that called is, TCPIP, buddy. And oh. it, right. And it's literally what social media was created to do, allow people to post things that other people can see. That is all you're getting here. This concept of like, well, we have to investigate how this works. No, you don't. I, I genuinely believe that the internet is the most impactful and amazing invention in all of human history. You know, the wheel fire, all of these, the electricity, cool. But the internet changed things in ways that we still don't fully understand, like no human being on earth fully understands the ways that the internet has changed all of humanity. Right. And I say no human being on earth because Ted Kaczynski passed away and he was the only one who got it. But now think about what the internet has done. And we've touched on this before, which is why people should listen to grumpy old Ben's and support grumpy old Ben's. We talked about, the fact that anybody could communicate with the world, whether it's putting text out there, images, audio, video. And once that happened, once that ability was there, truth became a different thing because you could now control people with whatever you want to call. I know a lot of people have that knee jerk reaction to the misinformation, but that is exactly what it is. Once that hose was there, once you had somebody that could be in Israel live streaming a terrorist attack, well, then the other side doesn't want that. They have to be able to give you their own version of what's going on. And they'll be like, no, no, no. Here's what really happened. They're lying to you. That video was doctored. You had to have the ability to do all of this deep fake stuff. The idea that people will lie to you is not new with the internet. No, that's been going for as long as humans have been communicating. The two major things that the internet has done that fundamentally changes humanity. One is it connects everybody to everybody. And that is just outside the scope of human experience before you had to, you know, especially before broadcasting, you had to lie to one person at a time or, or a room full of people at a time. Now you can lie to everyone. And that is, I think that's what you're getting at is the the ability, a message on the internet can go so much farther. Well, and that's why you have to be able to send, even if that is the truth, if you're on that other side, if that truth is going to hurt the Biden crime family, the most powerful governmental, uh, you know, crime family in the history of the United States, maybe exaggerating slightly. But you need to be able to put out the alternate message that shows why those people are lying and which is why all of a sudden it's like, no, no, this is misinformation. They must be stopped. And the other thing that is fundamentally new about the Internet era, uh, other than the first is that when you put a message out, that message now doesn't go to a room full of people or a town full of people. It can go to everybody. 
depending on you know technological barriers. Yes, and for a but while the, there were the no second, filters in between. Now that's what they want. The governments the, all want filters. The the second thing, and this I think is actually a problem that cancel culture is attempting to solve badly, uh, with horrible consequences, uh, you know, intended or otherwise. But the second major fundamental change in human interaction that the internet brings is that you can say something without consequences because you are not physically connected because in all of human history before this, if you said something sufficiently vile, you got stabbed because you were (laughs) saying it to somebody physically in the same room. Right. Or, or, you know, if it was just, if it was less vile than, you know, warranted death, then maybe you got bit slapped or, uh, you know, if you saying it to your friends and you just made a really bad sarcastic jab or something, then you got slugged in the shoulder or, but on the internet, there are almost no, there are no physical consequences because you can say the most vile, horrible, hateful thing in the world. And then just disconnect and a world with that consequences, as you can tell from every rational second amendment debate, for example, when there are no consequences, people become less polite. People become jerks to each other. The internet's legacy is speech without consequences. And therefore everybody can be an asshole and you end up getting backlashes to that. Like cancel culture, like people saying, Oh, this person used the wrong pronoun. Let's get him fired from his job. Well, yes. uh, the, yes. <laughs> and obviously the things are, you know, the, the consequences are not being scaled correctly, but ultimately the idea is somebody said something I didn't like, and I want them to suffer consequences for it, which the internet doesn't allow for. Right. Well, there was a clip that we brought to planet rage this week of a drunken woman on a train, I think in New Jersey, New York. And there was a bunch of allegedly German tourists living in New York. Another one of those places where there's not enough consequence. I know. Right. And the guy is in the German. One guy was wearing a, like hoodie of a UN based food thing. So it's like, Oh yeah. UN people, this is where we're going to have some fun. And the video of course, doesn't start at the beginning where she contends that they said something about her. And she's like, what'd you say? And who knows? They could have said a very vile thing. 13 milliseconds before this video started. Yeah. And then she goes on a drunken rampage asking them what they said. Then people are egging her on and she's finally like, Oh, go back to your own country. And of course that turned her into the xenophobe and the, somebody figured out who she was and they sent the video to her company who have immediately fired her because of course, what she said does not correspond with their viewpoints on the world, blah, blah, blah. But I was thinking about that. This is another way the internet has changed things. If you had a drunken interaction with somebody on a train 20 years ago, you had the interaction and then everybody went on their merry way and nobody ever spoke yeah. of it again. Cause you knew you'd never see them again. Right. Yeah. It wasn't broadcast to the world. And nowadays anybody says something that you might not like whether or not it is, you know, it, it, somebody might actually say something horrible and be the kind of thing that you should get arrested for, but there's never a cop around, or it might just be a microaggression, which 20 years ago, would have been shrugged off because you have to, you you cannot function in society without shrugging off a thousand microaggressions a day. And when you let them heap on your psyche, because you've been taught that every one of them must be avenged, 
then you're going to be a very unhappy person. But 20 years ago, you had to let him go because there was no possible way that you could even remotely get back at people for it. What are you going to do? If if you were the kind of person, you'd end up being the antisocial douche who got right. arrested. But now, what does everybody do? You use the wrong fucking pronoun on the subway. Right. Somebody is going to whip out their phone and start filming you and making a permanent record of everything you've done. And then you'll lose your job because that's what happens yeah. now. I actually positively despise both that there's the technology and the culture of everybody wanting to make a permanent record of everything that everybody does at every moment of the day. It, it, it you know, the, the culture that has people whipping out their phone and filming you, somebody's getting the shit kicked out of them on a subway platform and 10 people will whip out the phones, but zero people will go to the assistance of the person. Right. And you know, the interesting thing is in those cases, Facial recognition never tells you who those people are. But now if it's a drunken white girl on a train, wow, they're going to figure out <laughs> who she that. is within 15 seconds. Well, that's a matter of the operator, whether or not they actually want to know. True. That is true. But I this just, is this is a scary thing because it's like it used to be, OK, you know, you're at a ballpark, you're at a public place, you take a photo, you get somebody else in the photo. Trying to figure out who that person was, was nearly impossible. The yeah. fact that now you can put that into a website, whether it's Google or one of these Bing that will go, well, look, I'm going to try to match this photo to somebody and they like pop you right to their social media page or whatever. It's like that's scary stuff. It is. And it's another. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to bring up Teddy K twice in one episode, sure, but it not? is it is another over socialization drain on the human psyche that we have never had to deal in, in all of human history. We've never had to deal with this. It, it you know, a hundred years ago, if somebody slighted you in a random place, you either let it go or you killed them right then and there. Cause right. you'd never see him again. Yeah. You had to have your old felt well, the old West, you had to be ready to go at any time. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, obviously the stories of gunfights are sensationalized. It did not happen nearly that often. Evidence. Why? Because people survived the West. Right. This but, is true. There's still people living there, unfortunately, because yeah. most of them are douchebags. Yeah, you're welcome. I mean, with you, of course, except, <laughs> except from the list. <laughs> but I'm in California, the, really. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure you did. I'm OK. Let's you, be honest. You, you, Seattle. Meant, you meant the left coast. I get it. Yeah. The whole left coast with this. I thought Larry was going to blow it, that whole thing into the ocean, but he didn't. I, I, I think he just forgot to hit the detonator because he was preparing. Probably. For he might have an app that's malfunctioning. Maybe. Yeah, of course it is. Couldn't cannot connect to database. Right. Right. Cannot make the database connection. Sorry. Yeah, or or uh, we're sorry, but too many requests for blowing up entire portion cities have come through recently. So you're going to have to wait a while. Yes, you will now be uh, you'll be put into a queue. But when that's available, no, a, another one of the things that humans were never meant to have to deal with. And the current generations are the first ones in all of history who've had to deal with the idea that nobody lets anything go anymore. And we are making permanent records of everything that you have ever done. And like I said, we're, we're always back to cancel culture. The idea that something you said 10 years ago could come back and get you fired today. That is, was never possible before. 
the absolute, you know, because there was never anything recordable. The absolute best you could do in a court of law was for somebody to come up and testify. Yes. I remember them saying it 10 years ago. You're like, but it's been 10 years, right? You can't remember anything that now, well. We have a permanent record of everything and, and, and it's resulting in everybody has to be on absolute best behavior. There is no blowing off steam. There is no second chances. There is no, you get one opportunity. You have to do everything perfect all the time. This is anxiety fuel. There's no wonder everybody has to be drugged up. It is necessary. Everybody has to go to a therapist and you say, give me some pills for dealing with living in this society that will, if, if I fuck up once in my entire life, then 30 years from now, I'm still going to be paying for it. Well, it's beyond that because we have deep fakes now and just as people, and maybe rightfully so that the people get really the same reaction, whether it's a real nudie or a fake nudie of them that's put out there. I mean, think about how easy this would be to go take a video and just swap the faces like, oh, I want to get uh, Bemrose fired from his new gig. I'm going to go out and I'm going to say some horrible stuff. Then I'm just going to put your face and voice onto it. You don't have to do that. All you have to do is tell them about this podcast. And <laughs> I just have to knock on your door and say, Ryan, can say you give enough. us a few thoughts, please? No, I say enough horrible things on this podcast. Anybody who like, I have not told them that I do a podcast because if they listen to this show, I would probably not work there anymore. I mean, the fun part is you can get it on the devices being sold by the big retailer that begins with an A. So, I mean, you can I, get it right on their device. They are not, the, they're, they're complicit, man. They are. No, no, no. It, it, they probably only use the Apple index and I'm not in the Apple index. Ah, well, yours isn't, but this show. Just, oh, this show is. Yeah, that's right. Just maybe. But think about that. I wonder how many people have been fired because somebody deep faked them and sent it to their boss. This woman. To be honest, for this reason, I welcome deep fakes. Yes. Well, this because, is the greatest defense ever. Well, follow me on this one. People, there's a lot of people who will knee jerk and say, you know, you, you kicked a puppy in 1987 and therefore you deserve to have your entire life destroyed and never have a job again. And you can't have a bank account, et cetera, whatever, whatever it is that cancel culture does. That is effectively what cancel culture is doing now. And people will look at that when you say this isn't fair. I, this was, you know, this was 30 years ago. I should not be still paying for one mistake from that long ago. You know, even criminals get let on on parole after 30 years. Right. And there but is no, a statute you, of limitations. You, you kicked a puppy. And the problem is that when you go for sympathy and you're like, I, I am being unfairly fucked over here. And people say, well, but you did kick a puppy and then you lose a lot of the sympathy for it. I welcome deep fakes into this equation. For the reason that now you can say, I'm getting completely screwed over here because there's a video of me kicking a puppy in 1987, but it wasn't me because it was a deep fake. And now people are like, oh yeah, you really are getting screwed because even, even the most tuned out people will look at this and say, well, you didn't actually do the crime. Maybe you shouldn't be punished for it. And I think it's going to go a long way toward trying to get back to the point where maybe people start letting things go again. Like that puppy can't be a dogs. Don't live 30 years. There's no way that puppy is still suffering. So maybe you don't need to be suffering anymore too. Well, and the, 
if if the courtroom uh, television dramas are correct and you have all of the kind of uh you know the oh we're going to we're going to unleash And of course this. they are Hollywood would never they would never lie. To lie. Us. The the new defense will be when you have a case against somebody and they're like, "Well, here's a video of him robbing a bank." They're just going to make a deep fake of every one of the jurors robbing a bank and put that up on the screen and go, can you tell this isn't real? Oh my gosh. I want to see that done. Wouldn't it be awesome? Be like, can you tell me for sure that you can tell me because video evidence. Cause you're going to have, you're going to have two lawyers sitting there on the defense table and one of them gets up to talk and the other one is using their laptop to scan the faces of all the jurors. And then immediately tap them into a program they've already loaded walking into the courtroom. And then halfway through the speech, the person standing up is going to turn around, grab the laptop, you know, beam it to the big screen in the courtroom. Of course, they have AV, right? Of course, you have to. Uh, And and say, here is a video of juror number five robbing the same bank that my client is, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And it is. The program's already out there. It's open source. Of course it is. Roop Unleashed. It's great. Yeah. And, you know, that is fantastic for the, in defense, I, I, again, I, everything I know about law, I learned from watching the practice where (laughs) they had a system called plan B, where the only thing the defense has to do in a criminal case is generate enough reasonable doubt to turn one juror and make them think, well, I'm not certain it was them. And you have to come back with not guilty defense's job is done. And the plan B defense that I don't know if it's a real thing. I don't know if, if it's actually something lawyers do. But it is something that was well known as a shady tactic on this show was the idea of you take somebody that you have no good faith reason to think actually did it. And you point at them and say, maybe they did it for the purpose of trying to generate reasonable doubt. And the idea of, you know, you you put the judge's face on a deep fake and say, you know, here is the, uh, you know, the prosecution brings video of the crime like this, the defendant absolutely committed this crime and here is video proof of it. And then you just grab the video, drop it into your AI powered Photoshop and say, and here's the same video with the judge's face on it. And up until recently, you had to have multiple images of somebody's face, you know, hopefully from different angles. Now the software, the way it's interpolating things, one picture is enough. it, It can add interpolate angles. Yes, which is amazing. And it does it really well. From one picture of somebody's hand, you can draw multiple angles of their nine fingers. Right. And that's what the AI is like. (laughs) You see, of course, it was an AI that robbed the bank. Yes. (laughs) It it wasn't my client at all. See, he only has five fingers. See, that's another thing that I want to see is is, uh, an AI generated image. And then they just prosecute them like we have proof here that this person Rob this bank. And then right. you look at it and like, but that's AI generated. That's not a real person. Yeah. How this do you person know? does not exist. Right. But they are well, how on, you, how on the internet know? and they're hawking products. And, uh, you know, by the way, the only way that you're going to know is obviously this is another solution that must be centralized. So what you do right. is you get your government to round up everyone. All the AI people. No, well, no, round up all of the humans. Yes, the real people. Put everybody's face in a database that is, of course, secure because the government controls it and you must, you can always trust the government. They are going to use one then, factor authentication. Whenever somebody, whenever somebody gives you a picture, you have to run it across the facial recognition database of everybody. By the way, you have to make sure 
that you get everybody's picture in at all times, every time of their life. In fact, you require once a year, everybody has to submit to the state to get their picture taken again. Ooh, that's interesting. Every time they cut their hair, you have to take a new picture. Oh, every time true. they shave, take a new picture. All of this has to go into the database. So it's always accurate. It's the only way to do it. You will have a record of everybody. Now, admittedly, a lot of people are already doing this in a distributed way. It's called putting your selfie on social media. Right. But then you get people like me who don't put their picture out there at all. And I must be a terrorist. Well, I will say if you don't want to be, at least as of yet, if you don't want your image stolen for somebody to use in an AI, don't post it online. Well, that would be the first, but somebody else might take Uh, pictures of you. Wear glasses because AIs are not good yet at being able to remove things like that. Yeah. That's I, I think that's true. They're they're going to get there, but it, yes. it definitely complicates things. Uh, right. And, you know, I'm I'm reaching the age where this is going to be a must. You know, got to wear glasses, right? Because I went without glasses for a very long time and now I'm old enough. I need bifocals. So. And now you're scraping up against cars while you're driving around. It's like, do you need glasses? Nope, I'm fine. No, no, not that you can prove. Right. Everybody else might have a problem. Except with it. that there's, of course. You know, every single house that I go by has ring surveillance pointing at what I'm doing. And wow, which actually brings me to a story I saw on MSN. I will say the number of ring cameras out there is actually impressive and scary. Probably, probably 30% of the places that I drop packages off had some camera watching me drop it off. You know, they're racist, those cameras. I know. The LA Times, this comes from cameras, cops, and paranoia. How Amazon surveillance network has altered LA's neighborhoods. And it is interesting to me that they're trying to make this into a racist thing. I don't understand how cameras and what it's able to collect. Well, you said LA Times. That explains to me why they're trying to turn it into a racist thing. The story begins. The the convoluted how is the interesting part. Yes. Well, I like stories that also begin with the story of one person. In this case, Ed yes. Dorini. That's the, this thing starts. Ed Dorini's house sits at the end of a cul-de-sac that snakes its way up a hill in the Sun Valley area. One of By Los the way, this Angeles's technique, yeah, northernmost th- corner. This technique of of starting with an anecdote is is a very strong journalistic technique because it personalizes it. People think I could be that person. It also is completely useless statistically yes because the anecdote of the plural of anecdote is not data he came from canada back in the 80s he built a business built a house he's very proud of it three years ago let's add a bunch of useless information yes yes. three years ago he installed 10 ring cameras to monitor his property that's a lot of ring cameras and that's a lot of data being sent out to Amazon. Yes. He says, everybody here has guns and dogs. People aren't afraid to use them. And I think that's probably a deterrent and cameras are too. Well, I don't know. I think vicious dogs and guns, I think guns and dogs are a bigger deterrent. Yes. If I see a big dog, I'm not walking into the yard. If it, I see somebody holding me. a gun, I'm not walking into the yard. If I see a camera, I'm probably just going to wave. Yeah. Tell me why there's a lot less crime in, in Bofunk, Texas than there is in downtown California. And oh, maybe because if you're walking down the street in a random town in say Texas, there's a good chance that people on the street have guns. If you're doing it in uh, somewhere that does well, 
Well, I was going to say somewhere in the inner city, but frankly, like if you're in Chicago, same thing. You're going to be polite because everybody's going to shoot you. Yes, exactly. Well, it's like being in Texas now. Everybody's got a gun, so you have to assume yeah. everybody you're it, running it, into has a gun. It is simple psychology, and it's so simple that the gun grabbers have to really bend their minds to avoid thinking about it, is if, statistically speaking, it is very likely the person you're about to mug is armed, you're less likely to mug them because you're going to get shot. If you think they're unarmed, then, hey, easy pickings. Yes, that is very, very simple, basic human psychology that you have to completely ignore if you want to follow the the gun grabber side of the argument. Yes. And I know there are millions of examples of this. The one I always that flashes in my head, which tells you how much I watched Miami Vice back in the 80s. There is a scene off to find it and post it because it was beautiful where Don Johnson's partner, uh, Ricardo Tubbs, uh, was sitting in a car at a stakeout. And he, of course, was in a really nice car as they were often driving in really nice cars. And he had a newspaper on his lap and a gangbanger or two come up with a gun and tell him to get out of the car. And he just raises the shotgun at him and like, you've got the wrong car. And they go running. But you notice that's the perfect defense for an idiot with a gun is you having a bigger gun. That's really all you need to know about the whole thing. Because if that guy didn't have a gun, that car is gone. But the minute somebody walks up and tries to rob your car and you got a bigger gun than the gun they're bringing to the thing, you're in good shape. It was a beautiful thing. You know, I, I've been trying to interrupt you for like five minutes. Were you I'm, muted there? I phone void myself. I'm sorry. Welcome to the Grumpy Old Ben's podcast where we will mute and censor ourselves so you don't have to. Now, on the plus side, when we mute each other or when, when I mute myself, because you don't seem to have this problem. Um, it's not quite as embarrassing at it because if we were in the same room, I'd come out very, very muted on your microphone. Right. right. I think that would be worse. Not and, that and I know in this case, neither one of us ever stops talking. So we like, yeah. there's a, if you'll notice there were micro times, I'm like, okay, I'm expecting him to say something. He's not, I'll continue. Uh, yes, I do notice that. And I do count on it. In fact, and half the time I am, you know, you're talking and you continue and I tried to interject, but of course I muted myself. But it's so seamless because I'll just unmute myself and wait for the next micro time. That's how it works. That's what professionals do, which is why you should support this show. Yeah. But so there you? is a calculus that it, criminals, no matter whether or not you, whether or not you have morality, doesn't it is not tied directly to whether or not you're rational. It is a very rational human decision. Once you have decided you are going to trample somebody else's rights and safety for the purpose of trying to take what is theirs. Um, and, and I mean, I mean, a common criminal, not the government. Then once you've decided you're going to do that, there's still the rational choice of what victim do I pick? And it's very simple. If the person you're going to pick is likely to kill you, you just might move on. Yes, if which the is, person that you're going to pick is just going to sit there and take it, then great. A lot of times you'll hear stories, you know, when people are casing a house, they'll come up, they'll ring the doorbell, they'll see if anybody answers, you know, and they'll just be like, hey, I'm looking for directions or whatever, just to see if anybody's home. If they ring that doorbell, if nobody comes to the front door, but they hear what sounds like a German shepherd behind the door, a lot less chance they're going to try coming this into your house. This is true. Yeah, this is true. Uh, one of the things that uh, we were trained for in my job was uh, uh, there, there was a great deal of to do about uh, avoid dogs at all costs. And 
I grew up with dogs. I'm not intimidated by dogs. I understand dogs for the most part. But part of understanding dogs, of course, is knowing that 95% of the dogs are when they when they bark or they run up to you, they're really curious. They're like, hey, look, new human. And there's that very small minority of the people who their owner beats them every day to make them hate humans and trains them to attack. And, you know, there's always the antisocial douchebags who try to turn dogs into attack things. That's not a dog you want to interact with. So it's probably best to avoid dogs. Yeah. And again, if you're a criminal and you're rolling up to a house to case the joint, to burglarize, whatever, and you hear that dog behind there, are you going to roll the dice on a 5% chance that that dog is just really looking for any human at all to tear apart in retribution for the owner being a jackass? Nope. You want easy, which is why there were, <laughs> I mean, maybe they still sell them. They're the motion detectors or if the doorbell rings there, it just plays an audio of a dog barking. That's not real. It's just coming through your speakers. They can't tell from outside the house. I haven't heard of that, but that's kind of awesome. You're like, that's one of the best ways to keep your house safe. Somebody rings the doorbell, boom, boom, boom. Sounds like a dog barking. But in the case of these ring doorbells, this guy used them to try to find somebody who was dumping illegally or something. He's like, hey, anybody see this truck? And I guess there's something called Neighbors, which uh, a bunch of posts of this go to the Los Angeles Police Department. So, you know, if you got you're posting your little video like, hey, this truck did this, we're looking for it. Well, you post it to this group. So I'm assuming it's just a social media group that's using the video footage from the ring doorbells. But the company that is doing this, of course, and this is where you start getting into the racist stuff. The neighbor says has built a forum for which private citizens can monitor one another in service of keeping neighborhoods safe and safe is in quotes. Uh And it says that raises very important questions. Safe for whom? And from what? Yes. The the people who like to shout racism with regards to crime are the same type of people who don't want anything really inconvenient, like uh, statistical correlations between a particular race and people who actually commit crimes. They don't want that. That would be, you know, that would go against their point. So let's ignore that information. Quote, in the United States, where police disproportionately kill, harm, and jail black, Latino, indigenous people at a higher rate than white people, this translates into an additional risk to people of color. That is particularly true when, as the markups analysts of neighbors posts in L.A. and research from other academics has found, its most active users live in whiter, more affluent areas, end quote. <laughs> well. Wait, okay, so if the cameras are in, you know, again, let's just go down that racist route for a minute. If the cameras are in a mostly white neighborhood, how is this affecting anybody of black, Latino, and indigenous unless they're actually doing robbing then of the person's house? I was going to say, didn't we start this by the people who are being identified are the ones who are committing crimes? Uh Uh-huh. Well, okay. that's it. When you start looking at these statistics, and this is what you have in Chicago and other big cities right now where crime is running out of control because all of the morons in charge went, wow, you know what? It seems like we're putting a lot more black people in jail. Well, let's stop doing that because, you know, that it just has to be unfair. It, we don't really want to take into account that the people are committing the crimes just happen to be of a specific demographic. We don't want to look at, you know, the intelligent thing to do would go, would be, are we not 
going after people of the white persuasion or whoever they say we're not going after. I'm like, are we intentionally not going after them? I want to just verify my numbers. I want to verify my math because these numbers seem to say that these types of people are committing more crimes. Now, I, I would argue that if if you're in charge of this, you do not want any hard data on that because the numbers might go against your preconceived notions. Correct. And it's like the answer would be to only arrest and go after the people that you have caught doing the crime. It makes no well, sense to try to go. Okay, well, now you're sounding racist talking about colorblindness like that. I know that we, this wasn't this the whole point of the justice system that justice was blind. It couldn't see who it was, you know, and this it's great because in in theory, now, once you get in front of a jury or a judge that can see the color of your skin or in, in some cases, the color of your hair, orange man, bad, you are prejudged. And it's, it's hilarious that Donald Trump is dealing with that. Something that, uh, you know, most people would not look at. Well, he's a rich white man. Yeah, but. You don't think there's a, a much bigger bias against him than there is for him at this point, at least there, amongst a lot of people. They have gone to some impressive lengths to generate a kangaroo court in, yes. in all of that. I, I, I don't remember where it was. I was reading an article and, and I didn't verify this because I wasn't going to bring it any podcast, but the article was talking about, and, and this is certainly something to think about the a couple of the lawyers who represent multiple of the J six defendants were going in two different weeks in a row and seeing the same jurors in the box. And this happened more than once. So the, you know, the way jury duty is supposed to work is when you're called up, whether you're seated to a jury or not in uh it, it, it varies depending on place, but Washington DC is pretty standard. Um, once you're in a jury pool, whether you get picked to be on a jury or not, you are ineligible to be on another jury or, or even be in the pool again for two years. And it's supposed to be completely random. There's lots of people who will never get called for jury duty in their life. I've been called maybe four times, never been seated to a jury because unfortunately why. they ask me probing questions and right. I answer them honestly and they don't right. want thinking people in juries. No, but the anecdote as described in this article was multiple lawyers comparing notes and realizing that they were getting the same jurors over and over and over again for all of these various J six trials. And, and you wonder how we're putting all the people behind bars. Like, no, nope, no, nope, got to put them away. If true. Well, there it's true. not possible that they have completely exhausted the entire jury pool of Washington, DC and had to start calling people back after only a week. So what you have here is, uh, you know, we, we've known for a long time that there is uh, the, the legislative process is corrupt. The, uh, the executive process is corrupt. There's uh, certainly a presence of corrupt police. Uh, I, I, this might be naive of me, but I always wanted to believe that in the end, once you go to court, you can at least get a fair trial and the truth will come out. But right. if the justice system has become so corrupted that now they are finding jurors who will just stamp guilty because you were at the Capitol on a particular day and recycling them over and over again for the same trial for the purpose of turning it into a rubber stamp Nazi tribunal type court, 
then the justice system is gone too. And we might as well just invite Al Qaeda into Washington, D.C. because there's nothing left there. Kind of might have, have been. Yeah, I mean, that might have been something terrorist to say, but I'm just. They, well, no, like, but the, even the it, terrorists are so confused now. There was, uh, there was a just, group of. For the, by the way, note to terrorists the public off limits. Don't hurt the people. Go after the government buildings. The bureaucrats are the ones who are corrupt. No, you have to go after the families. You learn that in any mob movie. The only way you can get to them. See, this is why I would make a terrible terrorist. I don't like, I don't want to go after family. I want the guilty people, not the ones who are just guilty of standing next to a guilty person. I mean, two things. I thought it was so messy. I thought it was hilarious that some of the left wing radical protesters who were shouting, trying to shout down the pro Israeli protesters we're calling the pro-Israelis Nazis. I'm like, you really don't even understand you, history. Historical awareness? Uh-huh. I'm like, really? You're calling them the Nazis? Wow. Have that's... you ever heard of this thing called the Holocaust? Uh-huh. And the other They're... thing was the stories, and I forget where this even was, which talked about the amount of people in Gaza that when the attack on Israel started, they were all like, yay, our team, rah, rah, and then realized what was coming. It's like, wait, are you that disconnected <laughs> that you don't realize that an action's going to have a reaction? I mean, I just don't understand it. And I think maybe this is where we're at with a lot of things, including crime that's running rampant in the United States that all the people in these neighborhoods well, that are robbing their grocery stores, if we have talked about over and over again, to the point to where the grocery stores leave that they they just they can't even comprehend the bigger picture anymore because as we've talked about it's all their feelings well our feelings are yay we hit them yay it's like do you I not think, think you're getting hit back I, I i think you you're pretty much on the nose here i've often wondered i kind of you know ponder and look back what do you suppose was the last year that public schools taught critical thinking skills probably uh shortly after we exited the system i escaped barely and and there was already the seeds of uh, of going woke in the public system when i escaped things like like you know diversity courses were starting it was starting to become a buzzword uh you know my my debate class which I, honestly i'm glad that i took a class in how to formally debate. It's one of the things that of course has led me to a very lucrative career in podcasting now, yes. but yeah. more importantly, it did teach critical thinking, but I think back and realize just how incredibly biased my teachers were in that because they were teaching me critical thinking skills and the information they wanted me to critically think about is the world is becoming overpopulated. We are polluting the environment too much. We're going to reach peak oil. Uh, acid rain. This was the 90s. Acid rain is going to destroy forests all over the world. You remember that? Yeah. How did that, how did that work out? They're, are the forests fine. all gone? No, they're still there. <laughs> they are still there. And the, uh, the teachers were, uh, when I was at DePaul in the late 80s, early 90s, they were definitely swinging wildly to the left at the time then. We had a lesbian chick that was the head of the communications department who was way more interested in telling people that her and her partner were going to uh, Peru or somewhere like that to, you know, get a kid and all of this. 
Like, I don't care. Just teach the class. I, I really don't need, <laughs> I don't care about your personal life. Don't need to know about your personal life. But I oh, do. So you'd never, you'd never make it in, in the public school today. No. Now you bring your whole, you, you bring your sexuality into the kindergarten classroom now. Right. Cause it's very vital that your kindergarten yeah. students know what you're doing behind closed doors at night. Yes, that is, well, that is absolutely important for a self-affirmation because as a teacher, you might be emotionally fragile and not be able to teach if you can't tell them all about your lesbian escapades. Right. I do remember doing some, uh, not lesbian escapades. I didn't even watch any of those in high school, but I remember. I I fantasized about a couple. (laughs) Well, of course there was that. (laughs) I had some debate classes, which are, so. if, if you have never been able to seriously debate somebody on an issue where I always thought the greatest thing was here's the issue. And they tell you which side of the debate you're going to take. You don't have to, you you're not allowed to pick. You're not like, well, no, wait a minute. No. I don't believe in global warming. So I want to go the other route. No, that that was by the way, the, the entire crux of the debate, uh, the debate class that I was in, there was a club where we did competitions against other schools. And that's exactly what they did. They would say, here is the topic. And in this debate, you are on the affirmative and you have to explain that overpopulation is a problem. And then the next debate, two hours later, you have to explain that it's not a problem and you have to be able to debate both ways. Yes. Which is why if you were able to do that, you now understand the lying with statistics because you can find facts and figures and quotes to make your side look like the right one. And then you go, well, how do I know in, in terms of, of understanding, deconstructing and being able to generate uh, rhetoric is the nice word bullshit. That class was absolutely invaluable to me because the ability, the, the fact that in order to do well in the class forced you to be able to defend both sides of every issue. Yes. And, and not the best go of your fully ability. emotional. That's the key. That is the key. And, you know, there were issues that I I had to go up and vigorously defend a side that I disagreed with wholeheartedly. But, I, you know, and I, I didn't always succeed at it, but I always, you know, gave it my best and I did pretty well. The, in fact, uh, I for for a while, I was the uh, second in my entire school. The one who was the first uh, went on to be. A, an economics professor at Stanford and is hardcore lefty now. And, uh, I'm not uh, sure you can, did you, were you I, I don't even place? understand how uh, that can work, how you can be far left and be an economics professor. I no. wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to take a class from somebody whose entire ideology is the opposite of economics, but what do I know? And now Ryan Bemrose will give us the reasoning why pornography and alcohol are bad. Uh, because the, Public say they are right. There you uh, go. That's all you need to know. You well, the, the amount of statistics because, you can come up because with. if you go to work with a hangover and you're fly unzipped, you're going to get fired. Now, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. Maybe on the next show, I just want to mention the California bill. Did you hear about California bill six six five? And I'm like, oh, dude, how come it's not six six six? I hadn't. I actually have my. I have notes of a couple California bills, but not that one. 665 is the one that says now any child 12 or older that wants to leave home and check themselves in for any kind of counseling or all that 
can do so, which is almost insanity, which is you want to talk about stripping away parental rights. You keep using that word insanity. I don't yeah. think it means what you think it means. Uh, I, I, I go with, no, I, I, I'm actually with Larry on this one. These people are not insane. They're evil. True. It's insanity for those is, who don't, uh, who that aren't on their side. You look at it as this is insane, but you're correct. It's not being done in a, oh, we, we don't understand what we're doing way. They know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. In, 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 this is textbook Marxism where in order to bring about a Marxist revolution, you cut the ties of people to their parents and instead make the people beholden, you know, in a parental role to the state. That is how you bring about Marxism. And uh, the idea of let's make sure to separate people from their families and have make sure they have no loyalty to their parents or their kin and only loyalty to the state is textbook Marxism. So yeah, I get this. Let's go back to 1996. If you uh, will with me and, uh, Oh God, no. Can we, can we just not? Well, let's just point to that being the year that Hillary Clinton came out with the book. It takes a village. So this is nothing new. Oh, that's true. This Actually, is the nineties were, I, I enjoyed the nineties. I was in college in the nineties. So, but that's almost 30 years ago now that that was, don't public. remind me. I know we're old. But we're also uh, watching this go on, and this is not, and this is the most nefarious thing about a lot of this, is if you don't have the big picture, which is why the youngsters of today don't see this. They don't have the context. They don't understand it. They're all in on the emotional side of things without having facts or anything to back it up. We've been able to watch this happen in what seems like slow motion at this point where ideas like this were put out there. The, it takes a village thing, you know, about 30 years ago. And there was a lot of scorn, even in the mainstream media, if I remember correctly, like, well, what do you mean that parents shouldn't be parenting their children, that we need the state and we need everybody to take part in the raising of these children. That's just nuts. Now you see what no, we've that's got. Marxism. Yes, this is Marxism. And a lot of people would tell you, well, no, no, the left isn't really, they're not trying to do that. It's like, yes, they are. Now, 30 years ago, it wasn't a hundred percent of the left and it's still not a hundred percent, but it's a majority now, I believe that is pushing for these things because otherwise they would have these people ejected from their party nearly instantaneously, especially the ones that stand up, you know, and we have some of those in the squad who are refusing to comment on some of the things going on in the Middle East. And I understand why, because there's really, it's no good answer to what the people are asking you. But you have to understand that this is not accidental. All of this stuff, look it up and maybe we'll talk about it more on the uh, next show that California bill six, six, five, that, Oh yeah. If a, if a school and you know how hard it'll be to find a school counselor, that's like, Oh, Little Jimmy wants to cut his dick off. Well, at 12 years old, go check in. We'll, we'll, the state will take care of you. Leave your home. Your parents have no rights to you. You can decide at 12. It is really, it feels like insanity, but it is just evil is what it is. You were going back to the nineties. I was just thinking about an interesting anecdote. Uh, the a difference between now and then nowadays uh you know on day number one you will have your 
uh, your kindergarten or first grade teacher will come out and before the kids even know what sexuality is, because they're prepubescent, they're not going to, you're going to have your teacher come out and say, and I'm a lesbian and my pronouns are zish and bursley. And how do you spell that? And, and it'll be written on the board. Don't worry. I was just thinking back to the nineties. I had a professor uh, or not professor teacher. Um, he was actually a shop teacher and he coached volleyball, basketball, one of the, some sports one of the balls. He, he coached one of his balls. In fact, uh, he, he coached several balls, believe it or not, but I didn't know this at the time. Nobody at the school knew it. I don't even, I, maybe I wasn't in the in crowd, but I didn't even hear rumors of it, but I knew him pretty well. And I really, you know, I, I didn't have many classes with him cause I wasn't exactly a shop guy, but, um, he hung out in the library after school because he was actually taking, uh, advanced courses. So I talked to him in the library after school, very cool guy, you know, whatever teacher. I went, I saw him three, four years later, I was back home from college and I saw him just randomly at a shopping mall and at the shopping mall, he was there with his husband of six years. Why do I, they weren't officially husband. Cause I don't think gay marriage was legal, but they had been part. He was gay the whole time he was at the school. Nobody knew why, because it was nobody's freaking business. Right. I, can we go back to that? Can we go Where back to teachers teach what they're supposed yeah, to teach? It's none of the kids business who suck it up, compartmentalize your life. Stop bringing your whole self to work. Google right. had it wrong. Well, this is where their argument on the left would be. Well, one of my students might see me out and then I'll have to answer these questions. Then what? It's like, well, do that when well, it then happens. you answer the questions. Right. Nobody's telling you to be dishonest. They're just saying you really don't it, need to put that up front. There's. Yeah. You don't there's need to no, come out. Yeah, there's no, there's nothing in the, nothing in the curriculum requires that. And yes, if you see somebody out at a strip mall or a strip club, then either, either way, yeah. they could be the same. Uh, it could be. I, then, I mean, that is a different context, but that might be, and maybe I'll think on this more. That might be the biggest problem is people no longer have the ability to compartmentalize their lives. They are. Everything about you, every identity that you've ever had, you wear on your sleeve. And I know I'm running into this where, you know, now suddenly I've, I've got a job and I've got a podcast and frankly, I'm perfectly happy for the two to be, to remain separate, but. You're not going to be one of those guys on YouTube. That's doing a video while driving in the truck. Like, let me tell you about working for these people. Wow. These well, if I have some really fantastic stories, trust me, I'll bring and tell them, but I am not, I don't know. I, we it is absolutely AI weird to me. Disguise to, your voice. Maybe. Yeah. I'll, I'll disguise my voice. So nobody knows it's me talking on this podcast. Good. That's the way you need to do it. That's exactly. So I did have three tech stories now that we're at the very end and probably out of time. <laughs> well, we could, why don't we do the not thanking. Really tech. Let's thank our value for value supporters for this show, especially since we oh, haven't we have done some. a show in a while. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I okay. love the, uh, I mean, sometimes it takes not doing a show for three weeks in order to get the donations in. But if you want to help support the show, and again, we're kind of on hiatus right now, but that doesn't mean we're not doing the shows. You, if you missed the whole front of the show, go back and listen to that. You can go to grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate. 
All of the information is there for this show. Gummy nerds. You know, gummy nerds. I do know gummy nerds. He came in with 30 bucks. Great, great taste in music around 1033 AM. Some days, you know, he loves the uh, baggy trousers. Yes. All he Who learned doesn't? in school was how to bend and not break the rules, which is really another thing that people yes. are not getting anymore. It's all yeah. black and white. It's, it's another thing. No bending the rules. Another thing. Yeah. Because everything's recorded now. Right. This is also another true. thing. People aren't getting in school that uh, back of the head with a plastic cup. Yes. Well, you're not. The teachers will not smack you anymore. Back in my day, they would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And that's not even just at the Catholic schools. I mean, I remember I got a sixth grade teacher so mad. He like grabbed me and put me up against the wall. Like, stop it. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I, I got into public school after it no, it became passe for teachers to discipline. But uh, w- what would happen if I acted up in school was that I'd get sent to the principal's office. The principal would call my dad and then he'd come and kick my ass. Right. It was, so it still worked. Yes. It, it got around to it. Eventually you'd have the, yeah, it, it wasn't immediate. Although I did have one band teacher who was absolutely awesome because he would throw chalk at students who were misbehaving. Was he good? Was he able to aim it? I, he was actually a pretty good teacher, but he had a little bit of a temper problem. And I am certain not that I would have been privy to it. I am certain that he got disciplined by the administration for what he did, but yeah, he would throw chalk and erasers at students who were mouthing off in class. Yeah, the worst thing you could be as a high school teacher back in my day was the guy that would not discipline people because he was afraid to. That was like opening the gates and uh, all sorts of crazy stuff would happen in that guy's class. But the people that were known as the disciplinarians, man, you had no problem. Very few. Some of the Christian brothers, man, you did not want to mess with them. Because if you knew they'd kick your ass, you would be a lot more behaved in their class. Yes, exactly. Which is what we somehow have missed as a society now that, oh, wait, this is bad. Our children, they're going to fear if they're bad. Oh, gee, we don't want that. We just want them to be bad all the time. Yeah. Who knew? Like gummy nerds who came in with $30. Always bad. It seems like, I don't know. We like gummy nerds. He's from Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Cheesehead land. But we won't hold that against him. No. Our buddy, Sir Sean of the Allegheny Valley, coming in with his monthly $25 come rain nor shine. Whether there's four shows a month or one, he's there. And that's appreciated because, I mean, that's the sustaining yeah. things. It really, really make a difference. And in that vein, in the next one on the list here, it's a $20 donation because it was two $10 donations that I got at the same time at the P.O. Box because the USPS is not really good at telling me when things show up at the P.O. Box anymore. Don't yeah. know why, but uh, I think it's Dame Dajur, Demon Dragon of W.O.W. Now, that is one hell of a name. That is a cool name. And Dajur has come in before, $20, 210 so that'll put you in a 20 That's simple math. I can do simple math sometimes, sometimes not so good. Progo came in with 12 bucks, and I realized I kept one of his checks over 90 days and tried to deposit it, and then it came back as no good because oh. I'm like, what, 90 days? Really? Are they that quick on some of these now? Sure enough. I think there are a lot of banks that will do that now, yeah. Like I thought most of them were like 100. It usually says so on the check. It did in the very fine print, but, you know, I don't of course. see all that the, well. The, and, the print that's really hard for you to read. Yes. And I'm like, wait, why? I don't understand. I mean, it's like with the smaller checks coming in, I don't immediately put them in. I guess that that's going to be next on the changing the weight things happen which will be to uh to do that immediately which will be helpful 
And our buddy Serenavis Murti coming in with $10.01. That's a monthly donation as well. That is very much appreciated. And our buddy Sir Fudge Fountain coming in with $2.93. That is the longest sustaining monthly donation that's been coming in from like day one when we started the show. And that is very much appreciated. Yes. Well, it's, it's a good number. It, it like $3 worth of value. If that's what you get from this show, that is a very sustainable uh, economy up, down, up, down. $3 is less than a cup of coffee. Most places. So if, if grumpy, if you have grumpy old Ben's with your coffee, I don't know where I'm going with this. Well, as well, you should. I should I know, know where I'm a, going. I know we had a few boostograms, but they were not uh, a lot, were they? There were not a lot in the boostogram. What do I have uh, since last show? Which was episode- on September 20th. So we're going about, yes. uh, what, 20 <laughs> days in between shows? Uh, the, this 22? is 22 days. Woo. Yes. So uh, since last show, I'm looking at episode 235, Streamlined Incompetence. Uh, Joel W., with why am i not oh stop this you can do it I yes i can uh I'm, I'm looking for the field that has the actual amount because this is i know oh there I, we are i do that all the time with get ld yeah. but just give me the, well, the full amount the amount that came in was 1633 but the actual amount he boosted was 3333 so i was trying to get the yes so joel w 3333 with positive rights are nothing more than slavery with a smiling face if you recall, I tried to badly describe the difference between negative rights and positive rights, which are, from a propaganda standpoint, very poorly named because the negative rights are the ones that say, I get this and nobody has to do anything. And positive rights are are not rights at all because they're the ones that say, I deserve this and you should be forced to provide it to me. Um, and uh, yeah, positive rights are nothing more than slavery with a smiling face, says Joel W., Memes 1337 came in with uh, 2702 so that I would get 1337 and you probably did too. Leet boosting the split. Uh, Uzza came in with UZZA, came in twice with 333 each. Extra dimensions are overrated. And then lithium flavored blood boost. <laughs> what does that I don't that know mean? what podcast he was listening to or she. It says the uh, streamlined incompetence, which was the last show, but I'll have to go back and listen yeah. to. I know some of these things will let you know exactly where in the show the boost came from it, and all it that. It probably does. I have a lot of data here that I am not, I'm not parsing. I'm not, because the asshole who wrote all the scripts that parsed my node. You mean you? Um, is, is me. Yeah. Is lazy. And a bunch from um, Harry Pilgrim is listening. And then uh, Sir Truck Driver came in too. Sir Truck Driver came in. That was 6666, not a satanic number at all. But that was the one that came in for the rock and roll pre-show, but he couldn't figure oh, okay. out how to do it. So it's like, well, no, it's too late because Bemro's got his chat. He's got his, he got his yeah, I'm not man. giving that back. <laughs> Says ITM you. Darren, this is for rock and roll pre-show. Can't figure out how to send it via fountain as RNRPS has no lusting there. Yeah. You're like, well, this is exactly what I like. People just sending me stuff that I didn't even work yeah. for. I, and I, I appreciate that, sir, truck driver. Next time that I can do no work and get a donation, please send that too. Yes. Sir and Sean of the can... Allegheny Valley was also streaming along while listening. Uh, yes. And then Mudpig with 6666. Mudpig. Felt bad sending 100 sats or three cents. So here's 3333 yes. for each of you. Stay grumpy. Well, oh, not trust if you're going to send there. us more money. How are we gonna, we're not going to be grumpy if you send more money. 
I, I can be grumpy. Trust me. Do not underestimate my abilities. Do not be, do, yeah, do not underestimate the ability for more money to cause you more grumps. Yes. And then a lot more Harry Pilgrim listening. He's catching up. Dig that. And uh, Scott D. Hansen listening to the last show had a few of them in there. But that's it for the uh, Boostergrams. I mean, if you're not in the podcasting 2.0 sphere, and it's a great big sphere, just go over to new podcast apps or anything. Now you can just go to podcastapps.com. And you'll we're fu- you'll find not out. even doing this. We're not even doing this live right now. So I don't expect a lot of live boostograms to this today, but yeah, people we'll are like, see. wait, they're still doing shows. We didn't, we, how well, did that happen? Honestly, we didn't do a show yesterday and people are like, uh, well, I guess you know, we'll go another week. Well, surprise. Yeah. Here's a podcast. Yeah. Have one. You would get a podcast. You get a, po- even you gummy nerds, um, you get a podcast. I had one more and I thought you were getting a part of this or, uh, but it might just be getting sent to me because he doesn't want to send to your PO box. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's afraid for his checks going to Illinois. Uh, that's possible. Uh, but Baron Spud, the mighty sent in a $10 check donation. Uh, I know this because on, on his checks, he will write uh, the, the comment on it says grumpy old Ben's. So the check came to me and I'm perfectly willing to cash it if you'd like, but uh, it, it's not the same as the one that says angry tech news. So it's different. Hey, we, yes. it's all accounting and it, they're just trying to make it harder. Yes, on us. So it, yeah, he's just trying to make it. So on the back end, we got to sit here and like horse trade and swap. Okay. We got five here. Right. Like, I'll keep Progo's check. You keep his check. I'll send you three. You're going to have to send in more money so we can hire an accountant. Right. And, and three <laughs> Vestal virgins, maybe at the same because, time. Well, oh, can we hire the virgins first? Could we? Could they be accountants that are virgins? I oh, don't virgin know. accountants would be good too. <laughs> there's okay. There's a show title. <laughs> People would be like, "What is this show about?" We're like, "We don't even know." That's the yeah, problem. We really don't. Is it tech? Is it politics? So, it's both. The only stories that I wrote up were, uh, you know, these are not quite tech news per se. I said tech. They're more about. Uh, the absolute hypocrisy of the climate movement. And Which, yeah, that's a hundred percent true. I have a special place in my heart for dissing hypocrites. So uh, the first one I have is uh, from not the bee, which is one of my favorite news outlets because they add so much sarcasm. I don't even need to bring much more, but uh, they are talking about uh, a a ship which recently came out only uh, only last month, so it's pretty much still on its maiden voyage, from a company called Safe Bulkers. Uh, the company is in Monaco, but their ships are registered in Cyprus, probably for tax reasons. Most likely, yeah. Uh, the name of the newest ship, it's the fourth one in their fleet of super tankers. Uh, this is the MV Climate Justice. <laughs> okay, the that's other a hell three, of a name. The other three are the climate respect, the climate ethics, and the climate pledge. Okay, I see. Uh, a, I could definitely see a yeah, trend. I, I, the, what I'm seeing is that this is a lot like uh, having a ballpark and having your corporate sponsor name it. it, it you are you are selling your name as some kind of space to. It, or are they trying to know, tell this, you that the ships are city. carbon neutral? Well, they're. That's utter bullshit. Right. Now here's, here's what their, their pitch is. And they are absolutely making the pitch for, we are greener ocean shipping. 
their pitch is that uh, the ships are cleaner burning compared to other bulk ships because it has some kind of expensive exhaust scrubbers, which uh, I, I couldn't find a lot of information on it other than they said that they use it. They use the exhaust scrubbers anytime that they are in port to prevent all of the di- all the diesel smoke from going into the atmosphere in a city. So they're trying which, to put like big filters on this when they're in certain areas. Yeah, that tells me uh, when they leave the city and go into international waters, they turn those damn things off. Well, yeah, because the filters will only last so, for so long. They're like your furnace yeah. filter. So they're not scrubbing that much, but they are scrubbing well in port. Okay, you know, some points for that, but not going to turn. The other thing it has is that these are the only mega tanker ships in the world that are capable of burning biofuel. And in their, in the safe bulkers propaganda page, they say that they use biofuel in certain voyages. They don't say what that is. I doubt that's crossing an ocean. Um, considering how much more difficult and expensive it is to make biofuel compared to just making uh, diesel crude. Well, yeah, it's more expensive. And is it like the, but the but gas again, that the they have voyages, for the cars, what's it like the E whatever, where it's like, well, yeah, you can put it in your tank. I mean, it, your mileage is 15% less and it costs the same as regular gas. So you could use it if you want to. Well, yeah, I had a vehicle that, that had E85 written very proudly on the side, right next to the fuel tank. And I yep. never put that crap in it. We have one and I tried it in the car. Performed, how's it taste? Uh, it's beautiful. It performed about the same as far as the performance of the car. You just got less mileage. It, it just out of. uses it. Just uses it quicker. Correct. So you have yeah. to be able to do the math and go. If it's over thirty percent cheaper, then you put it in. If it's not, then the other stuff oh, is yeah. still better. And and probably the most impactful thing about using that stuff is that you know when you fill the tank to full to the point where it it pops and clicks off and won't take anymore. You still have fewer miles. You have less range because you're just using a tank full of it quicker. Yes. Yeah, it's going. So anyway, these ships, uh, these ships are uh, very climate friendly because they are capable on certain trips. And I'm sure those certain trips are whenever you're going through a leftist controlled city. And that's about it. Because in international waters, there's no way they're spending the extra money. are capable of being five or 10% cleaner because the scrubbers, they're not miracles. Um, the biofuel is not miracle. It's the same, it's the same type of stuff. It, biofuel, by the way, in order to make uh, a gallon of biofuel takes like a quarter acre of corn. Damn. I, I don't think it's quite like that, but, but it takes a ridiculous amount of agriculture in order to make biofuel. Um, these ships use when crossing an ocean, uh, I looked this up actually the last time that I was making fun of, uh, big tanker ships, about 20 tons of fuel per day. They use as much fuel as about 3000 cars. Now they carry a lot more cargo than 3000 cars, which is why it's economical to use them to move cargo across an ocean. But Okay, I did 5%. 5% of 3,000 cars is, is what, uh, 150 cars? No. Yeah, that sounds right. So it's an improvement. 
but they're not completely changing the world. Well, but no, here's here, the gist on a site. I mean, I have no idea how civil eats uh, is as far as being accurate, but there, I just pulled up an article, which is from last year. And it said how corn ethanol for biofuel fed climate change. The renewable fuel standard promised to pay farmers to fight climate change and boost U.S. energy independence. Instead, a new five-year study of its impact on land use suggests that it led to increased fertilizer use, water pollution, and likely at least 24% more emissions than gasoline. I am Jack's complete lack of surprise. Congratulations, right? There you go. Oh, but no, no. The thing that's going to save the world is actually making it worse. So why is Safe Bulkers doing this? Carbon credits. Oh, yeah. I was going to say virtue they, signaling, but carbon they, credits well, are Well, virtue close. signaling would be the main one, but no, they have a secondary market. They, I, I, they have a little tiny part where they say, and by the way, if you'd like to buy any of our carbon credits, let us know or something like that. At a very um, now, discounted rate, I'm sure. I'm sure they are, they are charging market rates, whatever they think that is. Um, and by the way, uh, these ships are slightly larger than average, so it's kind of a lie that says it uses less fuel than the average bulk carrier because they're bigger, so they're going to use more fuel anyway, whatever. But the reason this was the not the B was it's uh, it's the the maiden voyage of this. I don't think it's their first stop, but the it was last week that uh, this story came out. Uh, they had just sailed out of Vancouver, BC, headed for Korea, filled with, quote, 30 to 40,000 tons of coal from Canada to be burned in Korea. (laughs) You can't make that stuff up. Your climate justice is now carrying 40 tons or 40,000 tons of coal to be burned in a power plant in a country that does not give a crap about what they put into the air because they can't burn that coal in Canada because Canada is woke. So it obviously makes way more sense to strip all that coal out of the ground in Canada, put it onto a a 5% clean burning ship, ship it across the ocean at 20,000 tons per day. And remember, it takes weeks to make one of these crossings and then burn all the coal in a country that doesn't care. Yeah, that is totally economical in a place where you've got regulations that are made for virtue signaling and not for anything rational. Well, that's where the climate stuff, when it does not include places like North Korea, whether I don't know if this is North or South Korea, I mean, would Canada do business with North Korea? Maybe either way. It, it They might, but uh, I'm not convinced that North Korea has electricity technology. Then you also look at China, you look at India, you look at all of the countries that pollute a lot, need a lot of energy. Russia, they're like, we're not taking part in any of this global climate change bullshit. Any- By the way, one, one of my favorite social economic experiments, and this is actually very scientific because you have a test case and a control is you take just thought experiment here. You take one country, all uniform uh, people, uniform culture, very similar. And you divide the country down the middle. And you turn one half into communist and one half into capitalist state. And then you fast forward 70 years and look at what the difference is. That right there is science. Yeah. And that's, that's Korea. (laughs) And the end result would be, which would we choose? Which is better? (laughs) Well, and if you ever look at a satellite map, South Korea, especially Seoul is just lit up 
everywhere with night lights and everything. North Korea is a dark hole. Well, I guess that answers the question. I mean, if you like dark holes, you may want to go to North so Korea. It, 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 then, then go, yeah, go see some of that AI generated porn. They've got plenty of it. Exactly. So the only other thing I had, which will definitely hold is, is some schadenfreude about Tesla having some problems. And uh, this, this, by the way, when you brought up Elon, I was like, well, I have valid reasons for thinking Elon's doing douchey things. This might be it. There are plenty um, of reasons to dislike Elon. No, and doubt. some good news about EV mandates. Ooh, mandates. But you those love will mandates. hold till next week. Yeah, they'll wait until the next show. Yes. Whenever that may be of grumpy old Ben's. Now, if you come in with a lot of support, we may do a show faster. Yeah, we might. Probably not, but we might. I, Anything might happen. That's why I well, love all these news stories that are like, think, something might happen or may happen. Or could. I still, well, I, I'm just saying that we're not, we're not in a position where we can commit because I am still absolutely certain that next Wednesday I am going to be dead after four days of this stuff again. Well, all you need to get is one of those magical things, some resistance belts or a a bow flex and you'll be in good shape. A healing potion. Yes. Well, a healing potion or just drink heavily while on the job. That might help. Yeah. You never know. This is not medical advice. Yeah. I'm sure that they won't mind at all with all their nanny cams in the cab of the truck. <laughs> What's he, just, be, just put it in a water bottle. It's fine. <laughs> this is not medical or work advice. With that said, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where we're hoping the winter gets here and the cold air blows. And from America's left coast, where it may take a village to raise a child, but it takes a Viking to raise a village. I'm Ryan Bemrose, and it is now safe to turn off your computer. Yeah, we'll edit yeah, was, that all up in post. It'll be beautiful. I was about halfway through that when I realized it was going to trip you up. I was like, wait, no, wait, no, timing. Timing is everything. But, you know, I, I know. This, is, this is one of the times well, I can actually fix it. Nobody would know. Yeah, if we didn't talk about it. Right. Well, I mean, I don't have to include that part either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. But, I mean, really, we're transparent. So this is where the real show ends.